Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! Wahoo! Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! How does Chris Pratt do it? This is a voice I have never heard of before. Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! Mushroom Kingdom, here we come! Mushroom Kingdom, Everybody and welcome to a podcast with Jordan Haas. You know what you got yourself into. You're listening to me, Jordan Haas, talk about stuff. That's the podcast. That's what you do now. People talk and people listen. It's communication to, to nobody. It's really just me shouting into a void. Um, but this is an interesting week. This is the show about the TV shows and movies and all that great stuff. This is a big reality show week. We got a Taskmaster going on. We got the Genius Game going on, and those are in the paywall section. Here for you guys, the Mole Review, because the Mole just came out on Netflix. It's a big American thing. Those two are British and the Netherlands. Ugh, we're Americans, USA and all that shit. Uh, so, so that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Some great old, good old games, good old game shows. That's the thing. Remember game shows, I suppose? I, I did. Yep. Uh, so let's get to it. So uh, what, what's been? Let's let's start the show with what happened this week. So obviously the big talking point was the Super Mario Brothers trailer and Chris Pratt's voice, because uh, the Mario voice. They mushroom kingdom. Here we come. Everyone's saying it sounds like a. Uh, the, the Mama Bel Belcher from Bob's Burgers. I, is that, I was going to say Tina Belcher, but I thought that's the little girl. That's Christian Shaw. Um, so it, it, it's a bit fun to see uh, people dunk on Chris Pratt because obviously there's a bit of bias against Chris Pratt going on. But I, I, I will go on record to say Chris Pratt seems like an okay guy. Just The only problem is he donates to his shitty mega church. That's really homophobic. That's all. And also, he's like the fourth best Chris. I personally like Chris Pine the most. Um, but, you know, Chris Evans, Chris Helmsworth, you do you. Uh, but the Chris Pratt uh, Mario voice, I, I mean, I know everyone's wanting Charles Martinet and the Wahoo! Mamma Mia! Wahoo! All that voice, but you're never going to get that in a Mario thing because you need to have a big name celebrity uh, to sell weird parents into going to the movie theaters now. Here's the thing, though. That's old shit fucking Hollywood, and I don't think people really give a shit anymore when you have Minecraft movies and you have fucking, like, Sonic the Hedgehog and the guy who's voicing Sonic is like the guy from Parks and Rec and DuckTales. He's not really a big acclaimed voice actor. 
So it, it to me, I just it just it felt like they they just really need a celebrity for the sake of pull, and they it they don't understand people just want a Mario. They just want to see Mario Wahoo, and they're going for the star-studded cast because celebrity sign casting is what sells, and it always pisses off voice actors, and rightfully so, because voice actors they they are like the secondary characters. You have to do the sound alike to the actors. You can't be the actor. So, the movie trailer looked fine. I mean, I love the Penguin King, and I love the snowball fight, and Bowser played by Jack Black. But uh, the Toad character played by Keegan-Michael Key, why does it sound like Jar Jar Binks? I like Jar Jar, but... Don't touch it, you die! It's just kind of weird. It's just very, very weird. Uh, I mean, it's not Toad voice. It's not like a... Oh no, it, it is very, very. They're trying to go for like a toadish voice. It's very, it's very weird. I'm I'm saying Jar Jar in this, but it's very, ugh, it's just very weird. Um, the mold uh is on Netflix. We'll talk about it in depth. Uh, the first five episodes came out, and um, yeah, that's. To say the least, I'm glad it's back, but it's it's um it's it's a bit of a, a tough uh, watch to say the least. I think in the because the, the, the pacing of the show is a little off. I I'm too I'm so used to two missions and a quiz. This is one mission and a twenty question dossier, but it's it's okay. Uh, the missions are still the missions that I remember from the international version. So it's not like they're not coming up with like. Uh, completely unique ideas so far uh so that's it's fine uh the other thing i've uh, that has happened this week is a, on netflix is the trailer for blockbuster came out uh and it's the it's a funny sitcom from the people who brought you superstore and it just is superstore the blockbuster show is just superstore it's just Superstore. It really is just the Superstore sitcom, but instead of at a fake Walmart slash Target, it's at a Blockbuster video. So now you can play along with movie references. And I'm a film director, and I've been here since a kid. Characters that have already existed in Superstore. Is it going to be a success? <laughs> Most likely, because Superstore was a success, and this is just more of the same. Blockbuster is to Parks and Rec what Thirty Rock, uh, not Thirty Rock, what what The Office was, because they're both that mockumentary style from the same producers. This is just Superstore, but Blockbuster, and people are going to enjoy it. But it just when I saw it, I went, oh well, that's novel, but uh, oh, it just. <laughs> Hmm. No. So, also this week was uh, New York Comic Con and TwitchCon. We'll talk about that in a little bit in the people news section. But uh, from what I've gathered, TwitchCon uh, has a lot of Twitch streamers, and everyone seemed to have forgot about the revenue split. And people really want to see people beef and fight. To which I say, this is the fucking worst timeline. I don't... I, the more I looked at TwitchCon, the more I detest Twitch as a platform. 
Like, I like video games. I like people talking about games. I like people playing games live and chatting with the chat. Like, that, all those little bits about Twitch, yes. But it seems like we're now at four-dimensional chess where it's not just playing the game and talking about game. It now has to be about the person who plays the game. What do they look like? What are they dressing? Who are they friends with? What do they like? What do they not like? And have this weird relationship with people to which I, I mean... You, I, I'm very open about who I am, but I do not want to be one of these character people. I see myself as a, as a writer. I see myself as a host. I don't see myself as personality social media light. And that seems like to be on Twitch, you have to be a social media content creator thing. And I, I don't know. I, I'm maybe I'm getting old, but like. All the people I admire are hosts and comedians like Dave Letterman and Conan O'Brien and, and Charlie Brooker because he's a writer. Why are we dealing with these content creators? And they're, they're doing like side hustles with merch stands. One is doing like an ice cream shop. One is doing like a fake newsstand. And I'm supposed to know who the fuck these people are, but maybe my brain is not zillennial enough to care about these people because I'm I'm still stuck on well look what dream looks like like it's the try guys bullshit like most people don't know who the fuck the try guys are but okay I guess this is a big deal because they're content creator millionaires to which I I'm just sitting here going like this is a whole convention about twitch they're just streaming it just, this is Aurora Boris this is just the, the the snake eating its tail right now this isn't exciting news the only cool positive thing I could think of is if you are a fan of these content creators, this is a very cheaper way to, this is not even cheap. This is like, these tickets are like $300, but this is a cheap, I'm going to just put in like 5,000 air quotes, way to meet these people in person and not in a weird stalker way, which is better, I guess, because don't be a fucking stalker to these Twitch streamers, but like, it's so weird because uh, to me i just maybe maybe here's why this is why when i talk about a show or a movie i i know it's from my perspective it's one perspective this is a one-dimensional guy giving his thoughts and opinions about games and movies and what have you when i have been talking about these things i always want to put myself a little bit out of the equation because i just want to see, like when i'm vocal about things i don't like it's my own personal but in the positives or looking at to what kind of person would enjoy this because it's not just supposed to be for one person it's supposed to be for a big society a big audience every piece of content has hundreds of people working on it right it's a game a movie a tv show whatever and I feel if my duty is to talk about these things, I need to talk about it from the perspective of I have to be aware this is a production and lots of people have been working on this. And when I'm talking about this, well, there is a bit of subjective behavior of, hey, I played this. This is what I think. I watched this show. This is what I think. I want to come out to it with the uh, this is how I think but you might be different and it's okay to have an alternate opinion of that. So I want to make the subject matter the thing, 
if I'm talking about a video game, I want it to be the subject is the game. And I think a lot of Twitch in general is not about the content. It's just this it's about the person. It's about the person behind the controller, the person behind the keyboard and mouse, the person behind the little uh, kitty cat headphones, and not about the games or the shit they watch or whatever they do on their Twitch stream. It's it's all regurgitating vomit. This is the content creator equivalent of you really love your internet reviewer guy to that point. And it's and look, you can do whatever you want. I mean, this is kind of the new internet norm. These content creators are celebrities, but I think these are people. I like to me humanity says these are just people. And <laughs> it's just sort of weird person playing game uh gets the standing ovation. That's just my thought, but hey, these are kids. And it makes sense because maybe you're in high school. Maybe you are in middle school, elementary school, or college. There is no TV. You're, you, you have cable cut. So all you have is YouTube and, and all these in Twitch. And these content creators are there. So these are the hosts of the things you like. I'm a host for a thing that you hopefully like. Probably not. I'm kind of an asshole, but that's okay. Um, because that's what we deal with. This is just a, a this is just for me me venting to the world and hopefully you like it. Um, I can do other things as well, but I should say podcasting is the name of the thing because Twitch is such a skill set. You have to play games, interact with crowd, and do it for five, six hours a day if you really want to make it big. And it takes its toll mentally on people. And then there are people who are just not themselves. They are like a branded version of themselves. And it's very weird. Like, I can't keep up. I can't catch up with that. So it's just to me frustrating to look at. I, I mean, maybe I'm just getting old and obviously that makes sense. I understand the appeal of Let's Players. I understand the appeal of like someone talking about games because maybe they're likable or there's some sort of quirk about them that makes them like your friend. But in the grand scheme of things, these are all people who are trying to make money off followers and likes and subscriptions. They don't give a fuck. They just want to keep the numbers up so they can get the AdSense revenue and you can buy their merch and they can get paid. And they keep this going for as long as possible. And then hopefully with enough fame and clout, they could go on to use that clout and fame to get a business going or to do some sort of swindly thing, which is what I'm noticing time and time again, is a lot of these content creators are going into the weird NFT thing or they're going into weird... Uh, I wouldn't say view botting, but one of those, we can tell you how to be an influential businessman. I did it. I have a hundred thousand Twitter subs, like one of those things. No, I, I think the Twitch uh, communities are weird. And I'm just, why do we care about a leftist wanting to punch a Nazi or not punch a Nazi? Like, it, no, it makes no sense. It's stupid. Why do we care there's a foam pit and a streamer fell on their ass? It's a terrible convention idea. It, it We just dealt with drama. Like, there's been, like, 500 Twitch dramas going one after the other. 
And now there's a whole convention. I guess we all forgot about it because, ooh, ah, but look, uh, Amormath, the bikini lady's there. And look, a cosplayer is there. So it's it's just very weird, right? Maybe it's just, I, I just come from like a journalistic idea of gaming, like the game should be the stars. But maybe we don't give a shit anymore about the video games or like the movies or whatever it is. It's just the people who are talking about them or whatever is their personality, which seems to be a reactionary dipshit. So all in all, I don't know. Hope you had fun at TwitchCon if you did, uh, but uh, just not for me. That makes sense. What was it for me, however, was New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con was this week, which is the real Comic Con because it's usually made up of comic book news. That's what I would be saying if I found out there was any comic book news. Instead, it was mostly anime news. Kids like uh, One Piece. Kids like uh, Spy Family. Your kids like Dragon Ball Z. Your kids love um. Your kids love that Naruto. Your kids love your kids love the the Batman's. So they did have like some news like Doom Patrol season four and Titans and all that, but eh, I don't want to learn about the Titans. It's it's the show I watch and loathe. I hate the show. But it's Nightwing, so it feels like, well, it's, it might get fun. It might be better. And there are shows, episodes of Titans, which I'll admit are really fun and cool, and I like it. And then there are others that are just horrendous to sit through. It is the Monday Night Raw of, of comic book shows. And it's just been rough for the last few seasons. But New York Comic Con is this weekend. People went. I don't see any news that has come from the event. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look up news right now. I'm legit. You know what? At this point, I feel like this is a very low uh, episode. Let me just search NYCC just to see what I got for news. Uh, Michael J. Fox and Christopher Noise reminisce about Back to the Future. So there you go. Reunion for a movie. Uh, the two people, they're great movie actors that, from the 80s movie in the, in the 2020s. You know, it's 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 nice. I mean, there's a Marvel Live from New York Comic Con. Maybe there's Deadpool cosplayers there. Maybe. There is the official New York Comic Con uh, panel. Brandon Fraser was there to promote Doom Patrol. That's nice. How great. Wonderful stuff at the New York Convention of Comic Books. Right? That's, that's it. Um, all right. So I'll probably look up some news for the paywall segment, but oh well, that, that was about it for this uh, great segment. Um, so let's um, what happened this week? Oh yeah, uh, Overwatch Two. It's time for the hot news segment that we like to call video game reviews of games I never played but watched other people play. So I decided to just vomit my opinion based on others playing the game review. We'll come up with a better name next time. 
Probably third person review would make sense. So Overwatch 2 uh, came out this week. The free to play version of Overwatch 1. It's Overwatch 2 with new graphic designs, new maps, kind of, not really. New shiny uh, skins for all your favorite characters. Is Tracer's ass just as bootylicious as it was last year? I don't fucking care. But there is one thing we do know is people who wanted to play Overwatch 2 were having to be very patient as the queues were very, very, very slow. Some of the time you got to see 30,000. One fifty thousand, and it grew from there. So some people decided not to play Overwatch, or they decided to wait until it patches up or gets more servers. Is Overwatch really the best game if so many people want to play it right this very second? Maybe, maybe not. But here's one thing I will uh, probably say that is uh, a bit of a viewpoint. <clears throat> Splatoon 3 just came out. And they have a better server system going on than, than Overwatch 2? What? I mean, one is definitely free to play and the other one's not free to play. Which leads me to wonder if the eventual day comes when, when Splatoon becomes a free to play game. What would happen with that? For Overwatch, though, it is a 5v5 team-based game with MacGuffins and uh, securing payloads. And it, it, in many ways, people do enjoy the match. But if I have to make a, give a big but here, the last few years, Overwatch has been in not so quite a good spot. With Blizzard being bought by EA, a lot of acquisitions with Bobby Kotick being a really big piece of shit, to the cowboy character uh, having to change its name because, hey, it turns out the guy we named it after is a sex pest. Well, it turns out and that's not really a good look for Overwatch. A lot of people kind of just fizzled out of the Overwatch mentality, even though people would assume Overwatch was the next version of Team Fortress based on how well it was received and its esports potentials and then Overwatch League and all sorts of good stuff. With Overwatch 2 that just launched, it could be back to being its rightful place as, as a great team-based game, but in its current state, it looks broken. From what I'm seeing with actual gameplay, it looks like the exact same Overwatch with nothing really new or exciting to come out with it, which I guess is a good thing because they didn't really fudge it up. Characters are still what you kind of remember, but with Overwatch 1 having so many skins and unlockables and people having to pay money, what you're getting is a battle pass into Overwatch 2 as the servers are gone. So like it or not, you're stuck with Overwatch 2. So if you are a fan of the original Overwatch, you're stuck with this currently broken, server-busted, free-to-play version of a game that you enjoy. And that's just ugh, not really pleasant to watch, not really pleasant to see other people play. And I'm going to guess it might piss off a few people here and there because just let's just go into a fun hypothetical situation. I hate doing hypotheticals. I think that's corny as hell, but follow me on this. You are a diehard Overwatch fan. We're talking like you saw it pre or you saw the, the trailers for this game a long time ago. 
you pre-ordered the game, you spent shitloads of money on map pa on those little box packs. You you got every almost every unlockable out there. You played uh, the the that soccer ver variant when it's summer. You you have a tracer uh, figurine. You have a a diva uh, chair. We're talking die-hard Overwatch fan who may have spent. Let's just go into around about. $1,000 to $2,000 overall in skins and map packs because you got to remember this is Overwatch, a game that has over the years come up with map packs and battle passes and all sorts of things to get more people to play this game after its initial launch. And you were one of those people. This is your diehard game, your eSports MLG elite with, with Overwatch. And then there's a sequel. And obviously, you know, that sequel is going to be fun because it's Overwatch. I love the Overwatch. And then you hear it's free to play. And you're like, well, that's great. More people are going to play. That's fine. And then they cut the server down. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it's Overwatch 2. It's going to be it needs a new server. And you can't play with any of your skins because the server is frozen. You can't play the game because too many people are online. So you, the Overwatch fan who maybe wants to play this game every day for the last five to six years, can't play Overwatch right now because so many kids want to try Overwatch 2. Or, let's just be real for a second, a lot of people are just wanting to check it out because it's free. They don't really want to play the game. It's just kind of like a blockbuster rental. Like, I want to see what this is all about. And they can't. It's not really a good look for Overwatch as it's busted, but as is the case with things like Fall Guys and Destiny 2, eventually this will be fixed and eventually it will get its base. So don't get that twisted. It's not the death of Overwatch 2 based on one week of bad queuing. It's going to be bad if they can't uh, please the diehard Overwatch fan even though they are trying to be on the good graces of we're transferring all your skins, we're transferring all the stuff. If you have a battle pass and all this good stuff, it's still going to be a little bit of a, you spend shitloads of money and hopefully you can get your money's worth on it. Otherwise I would be kind of pissed because the servers are gone <laughs> and you want to do private servers. You can't, you can't do private matches right now. That's also been a problem. So if an Overwatch fan right now, this is not the time for them to play, even though it should be the best time for them to play it. Because it went free to play instead of like a... Look, I, if it was me, I would have done the quick cash grab. If you have a battle pass, you can get early access to play this game. And then you go into the it's free to play later on when you can fix the servers. I don't think they've gotten that far. And from anyone who has been able to play this game, they couldn't. And that's also been very, very disappointing. In addition to that, Street Fighter VI, is it the sixth one now, has a, uh, has a new demo version out. And people have been playing a little bit of it, doing some character designage. And it looks very silly. It looks like they're fucking monster factorying the Street Fighter franchise, to which that's really great and all, but now it's like, well, Soul Calibur needs to come back now because now I really want to see the Soul Calibur 
quality monster factories going on. These little hideous creatures. Or as it's really going on, people are trying to do Shrek. People are just trying to do Shrek. Because they're funny meme people. You know, the Shrek. He's very hilarious. Because the DreamWorks. The donkey. Um, it's mm, not really my bag. But, hey. You know, it's interesting. People enjoy it. People like it. And um, it'll be fine. So that's been uh, Overwatch 2 and Street Fighter 6 kind of previews. Uh, I have not played either of those games. Um, mostly, this is now the personal side. Now we're going into the personal side of Jordan this week. Mostly this week, I have just been trying to watch TV shows. This has been a very busy week in terms of reality shows, as we explained earlier, The Mole. Uh, there's also is a new Taskmaster episode that came out. There is uh, The Genius Game in Netherlands came out. I literally just told you, had a new episode. It was a lot of fun. Check it out if you can try and find an episode. Uh, and mostly I've been stuck watching Food Wars. Because I've been still stuck in that YouTube wormhole from last week. Uh, so in this version of YouTube wormhole. This week, I've been watching Paging Mr. Morrow on YouTube. In addition to the Food Wars show on Food Insider, I have been watching Paging Mr. Morrow as he ventured through New York City. It's a 30 plus minute video and it was one of the most optimistic, happiest places of a guy going through New York. He got to eat at Peter Luger, a very delicious steak. However, no word yet on if he had the steak sauce. Did you have the steak sauce? Who knows? But while he was venturing through, he went to 30 Rock and got to see a nice view of the top of the rock and going through an elevator in the history of NBC. And as somebody who loves television, it was a very nice like cool thing i never saw that the, like the inside of 30 rock before every single time you see 30 rock on tv it's because nbc has to show it off because it's like jimmy fallon or seth myers or snl or they reference it slightly on msnbc or cnbc from 30 rockefeller center it's uh, it's the Ma rachel maddow show or whatever so it was a very interesting YouTube series of a guy going through New York and very quiet, very peaceful because he was on his way to, to New York Comic Con. And I actually really liked that video. It was one of the more uh, wholesome, great videos of the day. In addition to that YouTube wormhole in uh, Food Wars, because they did Christmas specials, I got to see uh, my friend Joe Avella enjoy a McRib sandwich. What kind of magical day was that? I'll tell you, really magical, because it's a McRib. And I've been stuck watching, uh, like, John Oliver. He recently did a video about uh, Law & Order. It was, like, a few weeks ago. And I actually liked that episode because I was a fan of Law & Order shows. And I was like, oh, that's a really fun way to talk about how it's just, like, pain. It's just copaganda. They didn't really call the episode copaganda, but it is. And... And another thing I saw, which was a free episode, which is weird, uh, was the problem with Jon Stewart. Uh, it's back for season two. I like Jon, and I'm glad that his show is back. It never really gets the word out that he has his own daily show, John Oliver's show again, because it's on Apple TV. 
and the only time people watch it is if they get a phone upgrade because they get six months of it for free. Uh, but the problem with Jon Stewart is uh, really a good show. I wish they had these episodes up on YouTube or some better means than just Apple TV because the only thing I can think of that's on Apple TV right now is Ted Lasso. But this week they're talking about trans rights, mainly uh, states trying to take away the rights of trans people through the means of weird acts in the means of trying to make it seem like if you are trans, you're a groomer or some shit, or they're mutilating genitalia and these are kids. And essentially, it's just to suppress the uh, rights of these parents, essentially, to take care of their kids through means of mental health care or through education and other proceeds. To, that way they better understand what the hell's going on. So it's it's a really insightful episode. And yes, Jon Stewart goes on to uh, look back at some of the jokes he made on The Daily Show at the time and regret it. And it's like a real one. I, it's a real 180 turn from the comedy aspect to the here's a sentimental Jon Stewart. But it is one of the best episodes of his tenure as a TV host. And when it comes to an issue. When it comes to someone like Bill Maher, he fucking sucks. When it comes to John Oliver, he will get to that issue, but he will have to go through three viral videos and say, it's not about you, Tanya, and your your dog pictures are terrible. Like one of those. John, uh, John Stewart did a really good job of going through interviews, talking to parents, talking to genealogists, uh, talking to uh, talking to legislators, wondering what's going on and it is a really really good video and i got stuck watching that i got stuck because it's just one of those things where it's like i was thinking it was gonna be like five minutes it's gonna be like the youtube thing that you normally no this was a full hour and it was great television and i do suggest people find a way to watch it i think it's still available if you look it up the promo john stewart it's back he's back and it's great and the other wormhole, I guess, for me anyway, is uh, checking in on Survivor. And Survivor is very weird currently. I, I'm still trying to figure out the twist going on. I'm playing this, the uh, challenge roulette game going on. It's, it's still, I guess, the reality show a lot of people watch. But I maybe I'm just not gravitated towards it like the Ultra Survivor fans. I'm just sitting there going like, so it's another roll the ball game? They're doing another roll the ball maze game. Okay. Oh, this is a... Oh, good. It's another teeter-totter grab the puzzle game. Okay. Oh, they're going to do like ring toss. Neat. Like that's my brain watching Survivor is, oh, great. They're doing, they're doing like a, a bowling game. They're not doing. They never did polling yet, but it's always some variant of like, one team has to go out to sea, grab some jigsaw puzzles, complete the puzzle, tag their partner that goes up a bridge, build a bridge. Like, I get the multi-part challenges because it's supposed to just make it even near the end, but it's just. Uh, I know maybe maybe I'm just getting bored of survivor challenges, but eh, that's just been me with these with the wormhole and finally finally in terms of uh, of things is i've been watching some late night 
uh, with David Letterman clips and some late show clips. Not not uh, Stephen Colbert, but classic Dave. I don't know why I was suddenly getting into like Dave Letterman clips all of a sudden, like the last couple of weeks, but I was watching Dave clips and here's something I, I, I've noticed about Dave is he his humor is uh is very subtle. He has very subtle dry humor about everything. And there's not really a host that can emulate that in current television. Seth Meyers is kind of like that with the news. Jimmy Kimmel obviously has notes of that. Like Guillermo could definitely be like the Hello Deli. Um, but there isn't like a, a Paul Schaefer to banter with. There's not an Alan Caller to uh, banter with. There is no top 10 list. It's like the the everyone has to check it out. This is the the daily desk piece kind of thing. It's um it's very interesting how much Dave's comedy doesn't exist anymore even though people say they're influenced by David Letterman. It's like um cuz Dave Letterman's show is very I would say it's a proto version of the 90s and it's like fourth wall breaking humor. A lot of the time it's just fourth wall breaking humor. It's look at the cameraman, look at the crowd, look at this, look at that, look at the writing staff, look at this producer. And let's just be a little bit uh, self-deprecating about the show in a way that's like funny because it, it like the last person who kind of did that was Conan. And you won't see that on Colbert because Colbert is kind of in this like proto daily show state where it's just let's do Joe Biden news. Let's talk to book writers and let's be smart about it. Fallon is stuck in his box of I'm the NBC game person. Let's have fun. Let's have celebrities banter with because everything needs to be viral ability. I think of Dave, I mean, Dave was one of the earliest people to do YouTube, same with Kimmel, but Dave would not want that viral ability. I think Dave, even though he has a YouTube channel and Twitch, well, not Twitch, on Twitter, he would not want to be like the social media guy. He would be making fun of it. He would be like going like, oh, I'm going to put that on Twitter tomorrow. I, what are the comments going to be next week? Like one of those, like he won't care. It's, it's not one. It It's, it's very weird. Cause you're looking at this in, in the weird modern eye, but Dave's comedy is very good. And I got stuck in a wormhole for the last few days. I watched the very first late show with David Letterman. I watched a few of the last late nights with David Letterman I watched some of I watched the Hatsune Miku return and I'm like, clearly Dave doesn't know what the heck is going on, but he's clearly self-aware enough to know this is a big deal. So he's being a little coy about it. And it's not necessarily like his Netflix show. My next guest needs no introduction because he comes into it more of like a real quirky like he, he comes as Dave, like Dave, the person, not Dave, the host on my next guest and on late show and on late night, Dave, great host. Like to me, that is to me. I, I, I like 
Dave, and I want more David Letterman content now. But you can't. You can't get the Explodo Pop anymore, and it's hard to uh, to keep track of things. Uh, also, also, uh, besides the Dave Wormhole, uh, the Giant Bombathon was going on, and I was bored to tears. Sorry, I was bored, bored by a giant bomb content thing. And I'm not going to pick sides or anything, because I, I mean, I love Giant Bomb, and I've been a fan of Nexlander and Jeff Gersman for a long, long ass time. But I don't know what it was about the Giant Bomb Marathon that I just couldn't get into. It just, I, maybe it's because I'm too stuck in the G4 world now that it's like, I've seen this before. Oh, we've, I've seen that bit before. Oh, they done that on X Play. Oh, they did that on Attack of the Sh Like, I, maybe that's why, but I was so burnt on Giant Bomb and the Giant Bombathon. Also, Name Your Price was on TwitchCon, speaking of G4, and that was really good. Like, that is one of the best game show clips out there because it's streamers, and I don't give a shit about those people, but they played a game show complete with audience trying to help out in screaming the answers, complete with... Uh, Austin show being a game show host and bantering with the host. It was a great ass game show game show that I don't think could be replicated, but Hey, if they ever are scrapped for cash, I mean, just take that on the road. I mean, they're doing that with wheel of fortune these days. So what difference does it make? So that's it. Uh, that has been my YouTube wormhole. That has been lots of content. I've been watching this week. And I hope you enjoy my review of the mole coming up in just a few seconds. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, it's been a while since I got to talk about game shows. How novel. Since 2019, audiences have become really big on sabotage games. From Among Us to Jackbox Push the Button to game shows such as The Cooking Show Rat in the Kitchen, The Reality Show Snake in the Grass, and The Quiz Show The Hustler in the Craig Ferguson Library. But time and time again, these sabotage games gets compared to one thing. The Mole. As is common with every American with social media, the only version that matters is the American version, with Anderson Cooper, or Ahmad Rashad, or John Kelly, unaware it's based off of a Belgium series called The Mole, currently on the air hosted by my best friend, Giles DeCoster, or the Dutch version, We Is The Mole, hosted by Rick van de Westenlijken. Or various versions, such as in Australia, the UK, or that one awkward Polish version called Agent. So, anyway, it's no surprise that the mole has returned, this time on Netflix. This time with a different production company, Eureka. And this time with all the thrill of a Netflix reality series. First, I'll talk about the good. The music in this show, very good, taking cues from Belgium and remixing them. There's not really a lot of music in the background of the challenges, but when there is music, it does sort of land. Next is the show's host, Alex Wagner. Coming from the circus and now becoming MSNBC's successor to the Rachel Mandel primetime throne, she's playing the journalist host. In some ways, this is great because the audience could be in her position of inquisitive thinking and asking of questions. But... 
In many other ways, the host of the mole is always very weird. In many other versions, the host knows who the mole is. In one twist, the host actually got to choose who the mole was during the game. But to keep the trend, she's playing journalist. And like figuring out why Trump took the classified documents to Mar-a-Lago in the same gravitas as who decided to look in a dossier and forfeit $10,000 for the team pot. The challenges are brand new, and unlike previous oopsie-doodle-switcheroos, they now are just Belgium challenges made easier to understand, because we Americans are dum-dums. Every mission so far in the first five episodes has already been played, but used as a critical beat from the two bunkers to eating fake desserts with a bomb at the table to eliminate a contestant has a second chance to enter the game. But where Belgium has jokas, adding a correct answer to a 10-question test, and exemptions are a rarity, America loves handing it out as if they are hidden immunity idols. Again, the game theory is not really something celebrated in this version. This tells me there will never be a version of the genius game, because somebody would have to explain one, two, three, like audiences don't know that three is more than two. Anyway, in addition to the exemptions, most of the missions have been worth $10,000, which is good in theory, but it's nearly impossible and either all or nothing or with twists that are just forfeit for the advantage. There have been three challenges involving getting an item and bringing it back. Episode one with Red Case Cargo, episode three with the treasure hunt in the Great Barrier Reef, and episode five with the Postal Service. Instead of two missions and a quiz, we're getting one mission and a quiz, and the quiz is very lengthy. 20 questions, and it's mostly dossier information. Instead of memory recall what team was the mole in, did the mole win an exemption this week, and eight others about the show we just saw, it's questions like, what color are the mole's eyes? And what is the mole star sign? And does the mole have a dog? Which doesn't really value the game at hand, but understandably, I can figure out why. They want to build the intel gathering part of the spy show and gaining info from your other contestants to create hedging. But what I have found more exciting has been 10 questions in Jokers. Just giving one person a freebie on a quiz means more than exemption cards. So if you can win three of them and carry them in your game, it's as good as an exemption, unless you are in the wrong track on the quiz. Netflix has also casted contestants that could best be described as, we said no to them on Too Hot to Handle in the Circle, but hope they'll do this. And based on the confidentials, sound like they really want to be in that Netflix reality all-star so that they can be a judge on Is It Cake Season 2. This show is very slow. And because of the pacing, and it being Netflix, expect very awkward cliffhangers. Not just who is getting eliminated, but hey, do you want to take the exemption or $15,000 and did you get enough money to get the goal? Well, you got... It's just unnecessary and really made me want to quit watching. I'll gladly have taken an Alex Wagner escorts the executed player from the game and then looks in the camera and says, the next sabotage begins in five, four, three. 
But no, we don't get that. The show is set in Australia and has really good visuals. However, I'm getting really sick and tired of sliding tile transitions in reality shows. I see it in Hell's Kitchen. I see it in The Circle. They even tried it on The Amazing Race. It's just awkward and tacky. I get it. 24 is a successful show, and it gives the appearance of real time. However, when it becomes too common, you might as well have Woodblock and Reality So Simon or Bowed Symbol. What I loved about foreign versions has been its cinematography, amazing drone shots, crane shots, graphics that are overlaid and look like glitchy, hacky sci-fi. Instead of orange, blocky cartoon that looks something straight out of Nickelodeon. I find the show to be boring. You can only escape from puzzles so many times and treasure hunt so many times before you get bored. And that's typically not the mole. They have quizzes about the location. They have zip lines and physically drop things into buckets. Nothing really skillful has been played so far other than pick up a bag from a moving train and go through a laser maze. After these five episodes, next week is three episodes and then a final two the week after. While I'll try and make sense of this in the paywall version of this podcast, I could tell you... The audience I have right now listening to this, I was disappointed by it. The funniest part about this show is the elimination segments, where instead of a thumbprint on a TV screen, it's now looking at a mobile device at either a blinding green light, like holy shit, Ark of the Covenant blinding, or a very dull but still blinding red light. I think if you are an American who hasn't seen the mole since Anderson Cooper, you might like it. If you're international, you'll think this is a mole tribute concert of great missions made bland. And if you've never seen this show in your life, you'll just think it's boring. The spy thriller is back, but with shows like The Traitors coming around the corner, the debate rages on if the mole can keep up its sabotage mantle or if a younger format can keep up. Therefore, I give this show a 2 out of 5. Hey, that concludes this free version of a podcast Jordan Haas. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want a more extended cut version of this episode and extended cut of all the previous episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash Jordan Haas and find out more about it. This week, we'll be talking about Jackbox Party Pack 8, the last of the Party Pack uh, legacy. We're recapping Taskmaster Episode 2 of Season 14. We have a review of The Genius in the Netherlands. Whoa! And a very quick talk about Andor. Because Star Wars Andor, that's the thing people have been watching. So, four articles in a paywalled news segment waiting for you over on the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Jordan Haas. Until the next time, see you soon.